Hello and welcome to this week's episode of You Good with KJ. I am your host KJ aka Kaylee and I first want to start off with a little announcement slash apology. So first off I do want to apologize for the lack of episodes the last few weeks. I will be completely candid and say that I've been house sitting like crazy. So I've been in a, in a different house roughly every four to six days. So it's really difficult to get everything in order with, and these houses are, there's like multiple animals with a bunch of different medical stuff. It's been very crazy. So I do want to apologize for that first off, but second off, so with all of the strikes with the Writers Guild and SAG Afra and all of that, I have been way deep into all of it. And I, and obviously I stand with everybody striking for that. You may not know, but my bachelor's degree is in film with a focus in screenwriting. So these strikes definitely carry a little bit of extra weight for me, but I am super excited to introduce our guest this week. So this week we have John Thrasher, who you may know as the co-host of the podcast, Shaken and Disturbed, or previously Martinis and Murder with Darren Karp. I was so excited. John was the first person I got to sit down with for the podcasting series. He was the first one to jump in and help me with my thesis. I've been listening to Martinis and Murder back when that was airing with Oxygen and now with Shaken and Disturbed, it's been so much fun. So I know we had Alexis Linkletter on a couple weeks ago. So John also works in the true crime space. So it's really cool to kind of get the two dual perspectives. But without further ado, and of course, with the super late episode, I don't want to waste any more of your time with the intro. So without further ado, here is the amazing John Thrasher. Hi, John. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. I'm so excited that you were willing to hop on and talk to me a little bit oh. about podcasting. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be a part of your like educational process. So thank you for that. Well, you know, it's I am a big podcast listener. I listened to over 3000 episodes of different shows last year. Like I keep track of oh them my all. Gosh. <laughs> wow. You know, that I is don't think a... even I I do this full time. I don't think I've listened to that many. All right. So because you do host a podcast, do you do you listen mm-hmm. to other ones outside of like which what else do you listen to outside of that? It's a great question and I get this often especially when there's a new true crime podcast that's popping you know everyone's like did you hear did you what did you listen it's it's difficult for me because aside from my own personal show which is shaken and disturbed I am a senior producer at AD networks for the podcasting team so literally eight hours a day um, I'm doing podcast noting and cutting and editing and conversations and then one night a week, it's for a few more hours a day uh, in the evening when I'm recording my own show. So to be completely honest with you, I don't really have the free time to listen to a lot of other shows. And that's not because I don't want to. Um, it's just literally there are only so many hours in a day to listen to a podcast, as I'm sure you know, although 3000 is incredible. I don't know. I don't know how I could ever beat that. But Um, But, you know, to be honest, just to keep up with the industry, I will pop in, especially if it's a true crime one, because I like to know what's happening in that space as I kind of cover that, obviously, with Shaken and Disturbed, but also at A&E and Lifetime. You know, I'll pop in and listen to an episode, or if I get really hooked, I'll listen to the whole thing if it's really um, compelling. You know, the other thing about true crime podcasting least right now is they're not all super compelling. I think everyone wants a piece of the true crime pie, as they say. And so they'll, they're out there doing their best. You know, it's not to say it's not a great, you know, an earnest attempt, but um, 
you know, some of them are just better than others. That's all. And that's, that's the industry. Obviously true crime is like huge in the podcasting space, like huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So before we recorded, it kind of mentioned, you know, how it's really oversaturated. Yeah. How did the choice to do true crime go? Cause I know there was originally martinis and murder, which was with right. oxygen. And now right. you guys, you and Darren continued it over with shaken and disturbed. So I guess I want to hear a little bit about that process between the two. Yeah, sure. Well, um, basically, I so I was a staff member at Oxygen, and Darren was technically contracted in. She, as you probably know, is Andy Cohen's assistant, among many other things that she does. And so it became, uh, so I left Oxygen, and we had some discussions about, you know, maybe keeping Martinis and Murder going, even with me not being a staff member. Like, I would essentially, not to get into the business side of things, but you know, they kind of wanted to keep us around doing that. But, you know, I think Darren and I, you know, there were obviously a lot of great things that happened at Oxygen and happened with Martinis and Murder. And we loved that show and the audience was so enthusiastic. But yeah, so we just decided that we wanted to be more in control of our own creative of the show. And that's not to say that we weren't necessarily with Martinis and Murder, but, you know, we wanted to own our stuff outright. You know, there's a business monetary financial aspect of this that, you know, we just thought we wanted to, we wanted to invest in ourselves. You know, there were a lot of just things that come with corporate, you know, projects that we didn't really want to be a part of anymore, I think, moving out of that situation with martinis and murder and oxygen. So we just got excited, frankly, about starting our own thing and 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 hopefully an audience would follow us over. And like a it seems like a big majority of them did, which was really nice. You know, Darren and I get along so well. Like we became such good friends so quickly. And we knew that we have uh, we knew that we have something to give out in terms of podcasting. There were discussions like, should we go into like a pop culture show or, you know, even something completely and like different altogether. But we really, um, like I said, we really loved that true crime audience that was really showing up for us, not just with the podcast, but, you know, at like live events that we were doing. And, you know, we sold out the Gramercy Theater and like, you know, we're signing autographs and selfies and things really like, you know felt like the momentum was with true crime so we really um yeah we just were excited to try something new and if it stuck we'd keep it going and if it didn't we you know move on and do other things but yeah to your point anyway to wrap up this long answer is uh yeah true crime is oversaturated but not necessarily in a bad way it's just sort of um I think everyone wants to test you know get in there and see how their production or their show or their story will do. I mean, especially after Serial, which kind of really, um, you know, turned this industry, the whole podcasting industry upside down, in a sense, if you ask me. I think people are seeing that formula, maybe, and thinking, oh, I could maybe have a hit show here. And so they're all doing it. (laughs) Because I mean, Serial is, it was, it was like the one, like that was was. huge. And that's, I mean, that's even a part of my, like my um, I would imagine it review would is definitely yeah. <laughs> it's a huge part of it you know and it's I and I, I enjoy true crime and it's always kind of strange to say like I like true crime because I don't like what we're covering but it's like fascinating like so I think that that's a really yeah. tricky line well, yeah and it's a it's it's a psychoanalysis of the human mind in a sense both you know the perpetrators and the victims you know there are podcasts for all levels of the crime that happens you've got the experts you've got 
uh, the victims, the the people that are looking for the victims in the event that they're missing, you know, so there's, you get to really, unlike any other genre, you get to really see, or at least experience and then make your own opinions, I guess you could say, about uh, the human mind and what we're doing in this world and walking around. I mean, it's almost like reality television in a sense, you know, I think that's what draws people to reality TV is they're seeing people that may not be exactly like them, or they're seeing people who they aspire to be and I think that's what hooks so many people into reality tv and I'm this is coming from somebody who worked in reality tv for a long time oh yeah in the true crime space what was kind of the first big case that you really like that like resonated with you um that's a great question I mean I remember being really young and watching the OJ Simpson trial with my mom I didn't really know what was going on I just knew some somebody was in trouble and there was a glove you know, but, um, you know, Amazing. I mean? so I remember that and being like, why? Is, I remember being like, why is my mom so into this? I remember those thoughts in my head. And I think I was maybe in fourth grade or something like that. But, you know, I had worked at Oxygen um, even when it was a uh, reality TV network on the show Snapped because Snapped has been around since I think 2003 or four. Um, so the first couple years when I was working at Oxygen, um, we had snapped, but it wasn't a big priority. It just kind of was the show that did its own thing. Like it had its fan base, it had great ratings, and it kind of just lived in its own world separate from our reality stuff. And then um, as soon as, uh, you know, Oxygen rebranded, and I want to say 2016 or so into a true crime network fully, then suddenly snapped was like a really big deal and I was getting really into it. Um, but the anyway, this is just to give you some backstory about my, you know, how I've worked in true crime and the cases I've seen. But, you know, the case, as cliche as it sounds, the case that really got me on the Reddit boards and spending way too much time doing my own investigation was the um, Heyman Lee case, the connection to Serial. I mean, I listen to Serial like everyone else. And like like every single other person on the planet, because nobody has not right. heard or everyone has heard this. And I, you know, I was like completely fascinated with it. Also, there were some connections. I'm from Maryland. Um, Heyman Lee, you know, this all happened in Bal near Baltimore, which is I'm very familiar with. I have family that lives there. Um, Adnan Syed, before his release, I'm excited to say for the first time yes. publicly like this. Uh, was being held at the Western Maryland Correctional Institute, which was one mile from the house I grew up in. So, yeah, wow. so I felt really connected to that case in those weird little ways. And, um, yeah, so that was a case. That, like I said, I spent a lot of time on Reddit. I spent a lot of time talking to other people. And, you know, I consider myself somewhat of a smart guy, right? So of I'm like trying to use my own logic and my, you know, my thoughts and just who I am as a person to kind of think that one through and uh, it really took hold. And then, you know, several others since then. I mean, the one that really comes to mind nowadays for me is is another big one is the John JonBenet Ramsey case because there have been so many significant leaps in DNA analysis, especially the DNA phenotyping, which I'm sure you're probably familiar with. It, you know, th there's, there's no reason that that case shouldn't be solved somehow. I mean, you know, I, I do. I am a senior producer on Cold Case Files, which is a very popular A&E show, but we do a podcast on it. And a lot of this season that I've been working on has been solved by Ancestry.com and just like 
we've heard about how the Golden State Killer was found and all the different DNA stuff that the family trees that they went into and were able to, you know, by process of elimination, finding these people. There's no reason that this shouldn't happen with John Benet Ramsey. So now I'm getting on a little bit of a rant, like I'm on a true crime show. It's okay. Sorry about that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, those two, as, as big and crazy as they are, are the big ones. And then the last one I just want to mention, because I think it's really important, is I had a connection where my stepmother, when I was really young um, and had first met her, she had um, a son who in 1999, I believe, who was around 19 years old, went missing. And she has spent her entire life looking for him. His name is Donnie Isit Jr., if anyone's interested. There have been some developments that I won't bore this particular uh, conversation with. That case really haunted me in a sense that I was very close with my stepmom and she eventually became a friend, my dad, and she and my dad eventually split. But um, And we stayed somewhat close, but she's dedicated her whole life to finding what out what happened to him and she's finally i think has been getting some closure thank god which is incredible so yeah i don't know those are the three that really i think about on a daily basis honestly i mean the adnan thing thankfully has somewhat come to an end but what has not come to the end is who actually killed Heyman lee so there's a whole other right. you know investigation or whatever that needs to happen there which i think is fascinating from a just human level. Can you tell a podcaster, by the way, I just simply cannot stop, stop speaking yes. about everything that's coming to my mind. But anyway. No, I love okay, it. It's I'm great. It's all everything great. everything so that you can edit around however you need to edit around. <laughs> but yes, those are the cases that really come to mind. <laughs> For me, it was the Casey Anthony yeah. case. I remember I was I would come home from school and turn on Inside Edition. I'd make sure <laughs> right. to get home to figure out what yeah, they were telling yeah. So that was kind of where I was like, yeah. whoa. And then that's where I like, that's how I fell sure. into the whole true crime. What did you think about the documentary? And... Did you see the Peacock documentary? I haven't. I've been saving it. Go watch it. Literally email me after you've watched it and let me know what you think about it. We did a um, recap episode of Shaken and Disturbed on it. So watch that and then listen to my show. And oh, then email me your thoughts. I'd be very curious to hear what you think. Well, and then also with Shaken and Disturbed, I love that I know it's not murder related and what it has turned into about with, you know, the radishes sure. and whatnot. <laughs> but I think that coming over from like true crime, it's kind of nice to have that break yeah. where it's not true crime. And then it gets to, your audience yeah. gets to know you guys yeah. a little bit more, which I think is a lot. Of, it's really fun because you, you are people yeah. outside of yeah. the podcast, yeah. you know, so to be able to have that insight look so do you, I guess if you're looking at the numbers, do those kind of get the same amount of plays, downloads? That's a kinda... really good question that I wish I could tell you right off the top of my head, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> actually, you know what? I think they do. Listen, and and it's okay if they don't because that they're not the same product in a sense, right? So we know well, that sure. people do show up just to hear us talk about true crime because we've done that. We have an expertise, I would even say at this point with it. Like I know red flags long before most other people do. Thank you very much. I've learned how to survive in a sense because of all these episodes. So, um, so yeah, we get it. People come and they want to hear that. Uh, but yeah, those NMR episodes were certainly designed to get to know us better, give us a little bit of a break, quite frankly, uh, podcasting just from the heavy stuff. And like I said, I'm sitting in mostly true crime all day long anyway, as part of my my nine to five. So it is a nice little break. And honestly, it's a nice little catch up for Darren and I as well, because, um, you know, we're both very busy people. So it's hard to catch up with each other's lives. And so we're like, let's just do this 
in front of an audience because they probably would like to know what's going on as well. So yeah, originally, I think with Martinis and Murder, when we were doing a similar thing with, I think they were called Another Shot, if you remember. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I think originally we were trying to tag those on to the end of episodes and it just wasn't feeling right. And then, you know, once we started um, offering it as a separate uh, sort of franchise within the feed, um, there were there was a lot of business to be made as well, because then people, you know, advertisers who weren't trying to necessarily advertise in true crime, but knew we had an audience were like, oh, you do this other like safe thing that doesn't involve bullet holes and stab wounds. Let's let's uh, let's sell our product in that episode. So that was, um, you know, kind of a thought that Darren and I came up with that we're really proud of because it opened a lot of financial business doors for uh at the time nbc and now at shaken and disturbed so speaking of the financial side so i know with shaken and disturbed you guys have patreon right. so how does that kind of play a factor into the show yeah patreon is amazing because what that does is give us an avenue to create and build our community while also um, being able to pay the bills because a lot of people don't understand that podcasting isn't simply sitting in front of a microphone and sending it to a friend via text messages. Like, you know, it's not, it's not that simple and it's certainly not that cheap. Um, you know, right. so there are certain things. And by the way, that's not to say it's expensive necessarily, but oh, for sure. know, frankly, we, we feel confident that we would like to be paid for our time. And we're lucky because we have such an enthusiastic fan base that loves not just the show, but loves being able to support the show and keep it going. And, and we love that more than like traditional advertising, which is very unpredictable. Right. I mean, you know, you could have a really great month and then, you know, the economy shifts and suddenly people aren't purchasing things anymore. And that, of course, trickles into the way Patreon people pay for their subscriptions as well. So there's not, you know, it's not like that completely goes away either for that for that avenue. But it's a better yeah. place to connect with our super fans is basically how we like to call them and um you know not have to worry about being completely dependent on advertising and so it really works out well for us it's a great great way for us to explore different ideas for the show i mean this was another difference with corporate uh podcasting which is like you don't really do patreon when you do corporate podcasting because it's meant to be for independent creators so you know, we were really excited because we knew that there was this big audience at Martinis and Murder that wanted to do things like we're doing now, but, you know, we just couldn't kind of make it happen there. So, you know, we have like a tier where you can get a physical gift every year, um, which I'm really late on getting out, but it's not all my fault. I'll get to that in another <laughs> episode of my show, but... Um, <laughs> But, you know, there's all different kind of tiers and rewards that we love spending our time creating and and rewarding the fans like on a very personal level. Like we are literally saying, give us your information, your your shipping address, I mean, and we're going to send you a gift that we made with our own two hands. I mean, it's just so rewarding as a creator to be able to be have that direct kind of um, conversation with the listener. So that's why we really love Patreon. You know, that's 
Patreon, like as a podcast listener, yeah. I really like it because it's kind of like, you know, like the extra bonus, like episodes sure. are fun too, but it's kind of like, you know, we connected because I sent right. the message on Patreon and was just like, yeah. hey, like, you know, but then it's, you know, I've got a lot of responses that way. And I'm like, I'm already supporting them. And if they're willing to sit and chat with me, that's amazing. You know, it yeah. kind of. And thank you, by the way, for supporting the that. show that way. I really do appreciate it. You're keeping oh our uh, oh bills gosh. paid in that sense. <laughs> No, it's it's like I again. It's it's there's your you and Darren's dynamic is so Thank great. You. Even though you're covering a heavy topic, it doesn't always feel yeah, heavy. Yeah, that's what we want. But it's like it's like so you guys are succeeding. Thank you, you guys are so much. That. Yeah, no, I mean we had discussed that very early on with Martinis and Murder when we were developing our I don't know if style is the right word. I mean, you know, the other thing about our, this genre, especially is around the time we started Martinis and Murder, was you know my favorite murder was out there, but neither of us had ever listened to it. But, you know, we we thought there was like an open space maybe for like boozy true crime that wasn't like comedy, but wasn't like really dark and like going to give you nightmares after you're done listening to it. So, you know, right. we did that. And back then we there weren't that many of us. And then, you know, some other podcasts popped up, you know, like um, alcohol <laughs> and disturbing, you know, like you, you name, you can come up with all the names. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, without well, there's a ton of yeah, them. I, I can list, I can list like 10. Without <laughs> naming any in particular, because we are friendly <laughs> with a lot of those shows now. But, oh, but yeah. you know, so like at that point, we just, we, we really wanted to kind of um, give a, an entertaining show that wasn't necessarily um, laugh out loud necessarily, although the hijinks that happens in between the details of these cases is what really people are laughing about, of course. But yeah, oh, we've yeah. been able to to do that. And we really are proud of of doing that because it is a fine line. It's not easy, but we somehow make it happen. I said you guys have like found that sweet spot. I it's great. It. Thank you. Of course. So in your opinion, what would you consider needed for a podcast to be successful? Oh, that's a great question. Success. Well, it depends on what you think success is, because a lot of people think that success equals like money or success equals fame or even some people are now thinking success with a podcast equals a viral tiktok which in a, in each of those own ways there are certain levels of success i mean for our show in particular at least with martinis or i'm sorry with shaken and disturbed um our our barometer for success has always been do we have an audience that's listening you know and i don't know what that number per se is but you know we just want to make sure that there's at least some community out there that is interested in listening to us and as long as we can keep the lights on for lack of a better word um we're going to keep doing it cuz we just love doing it i mean that's really the core of all of this i think to be successful you have to love what you're doing you can't just especially with podcasts especially with weekly podcasts, because it's very easy to launch a podcast, to be excited about it, share it on social media. Maybe your aunt's loving it. You know, she's giving you all the love. Maybe your best friend who normally supports you uh, didn't listen to it right away, but then they listen to it. Maybe that happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, a couple of weeks in, you know, it's getting a little cumbersome. You now, now you got to carve out two hours in your evening after work and you got to edit the show. People don't understand you got to edit, you know, so it's very, and I've seen this happen so often with people that have the best, best intentions. It's just like, you re don't realize how much of a time commitment it is, you know, and then you factor in, if you get successful from a numbers perspective, uh, Patreon and all the different perks that you have to uphold for that. And you've got a full-time business here. So, but I guess the answer would be, <laughs> I think that the real answer would be that 
to be successful, you have to be committed. And that's across any podcast, whether it's true crime, whether it's pop culture, whether it's just you and a friend in the basement and your audience has four people, you know, you know, success will happen for you in whatever way you think it is, whatever way you think success is, as long as you're committed, because yeah, if you get tired of it after a couple of weeks, then you're not really giving yourself the chance to succeed, especially in podcasting where sometimes it takes a whole year before your catalog starts to really build the bigger numbers and then advertisers get interested. So, yeah. And then I think too, with the cross promotion with TikTok yeah. and, you know, different socials, you know, it's like you can have a great show, but if you're like not promoting totally. it, then you're losing an audience that way. Well, that's been, yeah. you know, just looking at it from that perspective too, that it can also be the opposite. Like I've seen shows where they've had TikToks with 2 million views or likes or whatever, but then it's not really translating to to listens on the podcast feed because you go and you look at their feed and maybe they only have like a hundred reviews or some things very, you know that wouldn't really align with how popular they seem on TikTok and that's a that's a commentary more on TikTok than it is about the show because it's very easy to right you know I've had a couple viral TikToks in the millions but am I famous Does, do people know me walking down the street not really so yeah you have to sort of get realistic beyond the numbers you know that's part of the business here is that yeah the only numbers that anyone should ever really be caring about are your download numbers so tiktok social right. aside it's great if you can get those awareness numbers and you get a viral moment but at the end of the day unless you're converting those people to come back and listen you're just a tiktok star for the moment <laughs> so you know yeah. you know and that's i i tend to have the philosophy of I'm not even worried about any of the numbers. Like I just enjoy talking about scary movies yeah, right, or, you know, having too. conversations, I think. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, it's so funny. Students are like, oh my gosh, you must have so much money. And I was like, <laughs> no, I do this for fun. Yeah. Like everything I do, like I'm very yeah. busy, but like I enjoy doing it. So it makes it 100%. worth it because I edit, I edit both oh shows. Gosh. Well, you know, I was in those, I was in that boat as well. At one point I did a, uh, my very first podcast ever was Glee Chat. Okay, thank you okay. very much. I am a proud Gleek <laughs> and will stand by that show to this day. Um, it was a Love TV it. recap show with me and a handful of people. And that was the same thing. I mean, we didn't make a dime off of that. But it was intensive work that nowadays, thankfully, has paid off in a sense. Because, you know, we'd watch the show Tuesday live. I would take notes during the episode. I would somehow form some sort of an agenda. I look back at it now and I'm like, when did I do, how did I do this? And, um, you know, like say the show ended at nine, we would be on Skype back before Zoom was a thing. Uh, yeah. And uh, we'd be on Skype at 9.30 recording for an hour and a half. I'd spend the rest of the evening editing and we'd release it the next morning. Oh my God. I don't know how I did that for almost, I think, 150 episodes. Wow. And all for nothing. So that tells you how into podcasting I really am, I think, by the way. But that's yeah. what I mean. It's not about nothing. We we built a nice community out of that. And there were so many gleeks mm -hmm. at the time. And hopefully there still are some of you guys out there listening. Uh, but so that was what was successful to me. You know, I was happy with building a community and talking about the show that I loved. And, you know, that is success. But was it paying the bills? No, it was not. And so at some point you learn about you know, how much your time is worth, essentially. So that's just kind of the business guy in me at this stage in my life. 
totally um so how many podcasts have you done i know it sounds weird at this point yeah. in time i mean i did glee <laughs> chat and then um after glee ended darren and i did another show that was like a pop culture show called currently i don't know if you're familiar with it okay it's yes i am been taken <laughs> off of pod uh, apple podcast so no one got there and looked for it um but that was really just an all topics podcast we were just doing it kind of just for fun, hoping, hoping that maybe something else would come along for us or that we could build this out, you know, but then right around that time is when uh, Martinis and Murder started, which was around 2017. Um, so that's, that's three. And then, yeah, then we went right into um, Shaken and Disturbed. So I've only really been, I've only owned four podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You know, that's, I had produced one which was spooky time which then turned into spooky time presents and they're still doing nice. their thing and then one of the one of the hosts on that show we did a spinoff for our scary nice. movie one and then i just i i love having conversations that's just <laughs> yes, i love it yes. so i was like i'm gonna do this other really one fun. Too, and so. i've been thinking about that myself too you know i've just done well i've done glee and then the currently but then it's like been nothing but true crime for me in the podcast space and i've started to sort of be like should i do a different show just to like just for fun and you i don't know how well you know me on the show, but I'm a huge Spice Girls fan, which I think is very evident. Oh, of course I had I know. a feeling you did. And I was like, <laughs> should I do a Spice Girls podcast? And then I was like, John, you have no time to do a show right. that is not going to, you know, bring you some money and advertising. So I was like, let me just back off of that just for now. I like having a life outside yeah. of podcasting. So yeah, no, that's, I understand the having a mm -hmm. life outside of the work. And, you know, even though podcasting is fun, it's like, okay, how much time can I dedicate to editing the show and totally. that show? And, and I'm at max capacity at this point. So I don't think adding a new one is going to help me. I, ideally, you know, you make enough money in advertising that you can hire an editor to go do all that stuff. But that's not where I am personally. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Me neither. One day. One day. <laughs> So what would be your best advice for someone who's interested in getting into podcasting and starting their own? My best advice would be to have a very clear plan about what it is your show is going to do. And by that, I mean, you know, what story are you telling? You know, spend a lot of time. You know, one of the things I really tell people is like, yeah, you and your best friend have a great time together. You guys laugh it up and you all, all of us think that everyone's going to love the stories that our best friend and I tell. But the reality is, number one, it's overdone. We hear that everywhere. And number two, we're not in on your lives. Like we don't know what you're up to in um, the middle of nowhere, uh, you know, that has nothing to do with somebody that lives on the other side of the country. So even though it's fun, just realize that you have to really think about your audience. Who is going to listen to this and why? I mean, that's the question everybody in entertainment is asking, right? Whether it's a movie, a television show, a podcast, whatever else. Um, just be mindful that, you know, uh, maybe not everyone wants to hear the inside jokes. And that's fine. That's that's the reality of life. And it's a hard lesson to learn uh, for a lot of podcasters with the best intentions. But yeah, I think that would be, you know, my best advice would just simply to be to, to know where your audience is before you get there, because um, you'll be surprised one day when you think everyone finds you funny. And this is hard to hear, but, uh, you know, and you're not really um, finding that audience. I mean, the other part of this advice, too, I want to say is that you have to be realistic about how people are going to find you. you unless you have a marketing 
background or a marketing machine behind you, it's very, very likely that even if it's an amazing podcast with the most amazing talent and the most amazing stories, that's fine. But when you put it up, people aren't going to be able to find it. So you really do have to spend some money, spend some time on creating a marketing plan, uh, whether that's literally like social media advertising, it's um, post swaps or, you know, uh, feed drops across other podcasts that you know are successful. And that really just takes cold calling and cold emailing and begging for favors, uh, you know, if you're an independent podcaster, usually. Um, so yeah, I would say those are the two things. Know your audience and know what your marketing plan is. Otherwise, and I don't mean this to be harsh, you have to almost expect that it's not going to be a huge hit because they just aren't anymore. Maybe not even 10, like maybe 15 years ago, you know, you'd get lucky and Apple would pick up on a show and promote you on their iTunes, I think at that point, because I don't even think we had a podcast app at that point, you know, but otherwise, you know, it was just sort of this database of where people can go and find shows that they're already interested in. But, you know, there's really not a marketing machine behind it. So yeah, I would say um, know your audience before you get there and uh, know your marketing plan for sure. And then one of my like last sure. big questions is what do you think makes podcasting stand apart from other media outlets? Love this question. This is a really good question. My answer to this is always that podcasting, unlike celebrity driven television and movies is very, very accessible. For look at this, you know, like you're a big fan of your of of my shows, and thank you so much for caring yeah. and supporting us all those years. And you can reach out and ask to have a conversation for your thesis, and it can happen. You know, I personally, and this this applies to music as well. You know, it's entertainment in general. With celebrity, it's hard. I personally would love to reach out and speak to, like, say, David Archuleta. And talk to him about mm -hmm. his music career and things of that nature. Or, um, you know, Pedro Pascal. I want to talk about The Mandalorian. Um, but right. that's not accessible to me. So I think podcasting, aside from what you learn and gain in terms of storytelling and, and entertainment, you know, depending on what you're listening to, um, feels way more accessible. And I think that really draws people in. The other part of that that I'll say is that unlike any other medium, most people are sitting at their desk, just like you and I are right now, with headphones in their ears, listening very intimately uh, to what these their storytellers, their, their chosen storytellers are telling them. And I think it's just such a personal medium compared to anything else. You know, we are literally in your ears. You can't escape us. You can't be even really distracted by us if you want to know what's happening in the show. So I think having someone whisper, almost like a whisper in your ear, the type of content that you like, I just think our brains process that information in a very different way than even music, you know, or, um, you know, the obviously visual elements of television and movies. So yeah, I think that's one really nice thing that podcasting has. And obviously not everyone listens to podcasts just in headphones, but, you know, it's still, um, you you put it on and you want to be told a story or told or be entertained. And, um, you know, hearing it is just a very different thing than hearing it and watching it, which is what we do with television and movies, of course.
Oh, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm of driving, course. you know, and it's like, I can't watch anything when I'm exactly. driving. That's just not safe. Yes. And of course, you think about, you know, you go back to radio and just even talk radio and how it has its, you mm -hmm. know, podcasting has its roots in that. Um, you know, there's a reason that advertisers love radio. It's because when you're in a car, you, you're not being distracted by, hopefully, um, by too many other things. Yeah, fingers, fingers crossed. crossed. By too many <laughs> other things going on. And, you know, you're listening to music and hoping for the next song to come on. So advertisers can plop, plop stuff in right in between that stuff. And um, I think podcasting does the same, has the same effect. And I think it's really you know, effective for lack of a better word. <laughs> all righty. And then my last, and this sure. is a fun question. These so all time allowing, but yeah. Oh, yeah, oh good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but time allowing, you've got the time. What would be a topic you would pick to do a podcast on? What would be your dream podcast? You've yeah. unlimited funds, oh, all of it. Oh, unlimited funds. Now you've got me in a different stratosphere. <laughs> um, Listen, I, I really love dissecting show like um fandoms that i love like that's how i started with glee um my mm -hmm. my the first podcast i ever listened to is a show called Mugglecast, which is a huge harry potter podcast if you know harry potter and you know podcasts you've heard of Mugglecast. i'm best friends with andrew sims who runs that show still to this day i think they're on episode nine Amazing. million or something crazy like that they've Ooh, yeah they've crazy. been around since 2004 five which is like really early podcast days you know yeah um so you know they were dissecting harry potter that's how i got into harry potter that's how i got into podcasting so for me i think i would want to do something in that world whether it's like marvel or i'm sort of becoming a star wars person not really but like kind of Sure. I, I like the Mandalorian. Does that make me a Star Wars person? I don't know. I but I think that's where like I really miss those days with Glee, and I think this is just kind of like my instinct anyway because I'm, I kind of think I my second calling would be to be a therapist. So I want to psychoanalyze everything, including all the television and yep. movies that I watch. Yep. <laughs> um, and you know, there's all the fun of like, will this character show up in the next sequel, and what does this mean, and. What do the Infinity mm -hmm. Stones, like, are they really destroyed? Spoiler alert, they got destroyed. Um, <laughs> so that's just kind of where I like to be in podcasting, you know. Yeah. But, you know, I've got some other things in my head that I think, honestly, after this conversation, you're kind of inspiring me that I want to go and develop that I think I'll keep a secret for now. But um, yeah, Fair but enough. I think, uh, yeah, I think dissecting fandom is really, really fun for me. And I would want to get into that as well. I, I do I love that and I love that there's also this resurgence of like rewatching totally like people who are on yeah. shows are now rewatching yeah. their show and breaking them down it's been a lot of fun I'm a big Smallville fan okay. so that's been great they've and been the doing office that ladies and... they do that as well yep. Jenna and Angela from the show mm -hmm. um yeah that's a great yeah that's another thing too I mean I've used to watch Lost and I'm like is there a Lost rewatching pod um, although that show is a bit of a mess. We we shouldn't probably spend the time. That's a show you don't want to spend your time on if you're not getting paid, because that was that was complicated. Sure. But you know, you're a Stranger oh, yeah. Things fan. If you don't mind me diver, uh, divulging that information, yeah, oh, absolutely. that was one of the things I was developing, and in, in the back was doing a Stranger Things podcast, and 
I had a couple of really good um, podcast name ideas. Do you want to hear some of them? Yes, please. Okay. Um, number one, the number one I thought of was called Justice for Barb. Amazing. You I've met her. her. Shannon Purser. So I can say that. Her. Yes. Yes. We look like sisters. In our <laughs> you got, I was just, yeah, you're right, actually. <laughs> um, the other one was uh, Hawkins Radio, which I think might even be the name of a show at this point. But I love that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I had a whole bunch. I was like, these just the names are catchy enough that I almost started doing it. But to be honest, what happened was actually after... Well, first of all, I was working at NBC at the time and I couldn't make other things for other sure. other networks. So that was fine. But then when I became freelance and didn't have that anymore, I was like, I should probably do this. But honestly, I think what happened was season three came out and it was fine. I don't know that anyone's thinking season three was the biggest home run of the se- of the whole series. And I, I might tell little... you otherwise. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I know people do love season three, but I think, you know, for me, it was a little bit of like, okay, this isn't, I don't feel the same exact way. But sure. then season four came out. Then season four came out and things changed. So I kind of regret not doing it. But anyway, if I do one, I'll let you know. And maybe you and I can host a Stranger yes, Things podcast. That's, well, like I said, I've already got Chester and I can give him a call real quick. That's right. Yes. You know, yeah. but it's. Well, and you know, I have, I'm sort of friendly. I think we were talking before about um, with Randy Havens as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like you and I have made our way into this fandom one way or another. So we should just talk about it on a, on a microphone. Well, and it's so Dacre Montgomery who played Billy. I, okay. I used to work for a producer and he was attached to one of our projects for a long time. So when I met him, we had a really long conversation about that project and what happened and whatnot. So like I said, it's been, I've worked in, I worked in music, I've worked in film and now I'm in this like podcasting. That's awesome. So the the, the media spaces, I'm very comfortable. The queen of all media. Howard Stern is the king of all media and you're the queen of all media. I'm going to take that and run with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Put it on your LinkedIn profile. Say John said that. John, John said this, so it's true. <laughs> it must I remember, be true. I remembered what it was. It was for oh. Spooky Time Presents. We did, we ever Patreon. We did like a rewatch of season one, and I we framed it as like a D and D game. So you'd roll the dice to figure out what you were going to talk oh, about. So we did that. Amazing. So that was how we how we approached it for that. I was amazing. Like, how can we make this entertaining. So <laughs> are you going to see Dungeons and Dragons the movie when it comes out? Of course, yeah. of course. I heard that um, it has some positive response. It was at South by Southwest or something and had a really positive response. So I'm like, oh, all that's right, awesome. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. Well, John, thank you for joining me today thank for making you. time in your schedule. Um, Where can people find you in your show? Oh my God, a plug. I love a host that lets me plug. That's amazing. Thank you for asking. Uh, I'm Jay Thrasher on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. If you, if people still use Facebook, uh, I'm also on TikTok, which I guess people, Ooh, I, do people start, do people plug TikTok these yes. days? I just, okay. I'm at John <laughs> Thrasher, all one word there. If you'd like to see my Marvel conspiracy theories that I've started to post. Um, and yeah, my true crime show is called, uh, shaken and disturbed. So you can listen and download that wherever you listen to podcasts. And while I'm at it, I'll plug my A&E and Lifetime shows, cold case files. I survived crime of a lifetime. I love a lifetime movie. We've got a lot of things going on over at A&E. So check those out too. Awesome. Well, and again, thank you so much. I I so appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thank you so much. And good luck with the rest of your thesis. And um, I wish you all the best. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks.